what does the term digital nomad mean to you? Dude, I don't even know. I think it's a misnomer. <laughs> I kind of feel like that name sounds pretentious. Like, I really don't use it myself. I prefer to say, like, location-independent worker. Digital nomad means for me... For me, it just means someone who can work online and travel wherever they want to, whenever they want to. This episode of Radically Different is the first of a two-part series about digital nomads, a new generation of people working remotely and traveling the world at the same time. This is really the first generation of digital nomads. You'll hear from five different digital nomads about why they've chosen this lifestyle. Ever since I was little, I've always wanted to travel. I really want to be independent and my own boss. What it's truly like to be one. I don't have to be anyone. I think a lot of people are lost. Strategies for how to become a digital nomad. We've never had anyone work remotely, but we'll try that because we don't know what to do without you. This is the new model, and it's very different than what it was before. And why this is just the beginning of something much bigger. And that has given rise to digital nomadism. I'm Sam Kern, and this is Radically Different, a podcast about young people pursuing lifestyles and career paths that break from the American norm. I'm a recent college graduate who has become fascinated with how people my age are doing life differently than our parents did. In each episode, I'll show you the new ways young people across the globe are generating income, creating the lifestyle that they want, making the world a better place, and sometimes even rethinking what it means to live a good life. I'll be on the road, interviewing people that I find deeply inspiring, and sharing my discoveries with you in real time. Enjoy. Uh, Okay, so... Uh, So far in this first season of Radically Different, I've explored the startup world of Vietnam and what it might be like to cycle across the globe or live abroad long term. But the thing is, I haven't personally done any of these things. Um, But this episode is unique because for the past eight months, I've been a digital nomad. I've been working as a software developer and traveling within Southeast Asia and now Colombia. On one hand, it's been amazing. I can pretty much choose to be anywhere in the world as long as there's internet connection. But on the other, it's not always as glamorous as it may appear from the outside. And I'm still skeptical about some aspects of the lifestyle. Without a doubt, though, um, regardless of whether I will be a digital nomad long term, I've become convinced that this movement is the first version of a truly radical shift that we're about to see in the cultural norms related to work, lifestyle, and community that we've all grown accustomed to. After listening to these episodes, I think you'll agree. When you hear the term digital nomad, what do you think of? Maybe you haven't heard it before, or maybe there's a certain stereotype that comes to mind. Um, Stereotypes of digital nomads. Um... That's Pete. He's one of the five digital nomads I interviewed when I was in Chiang Mai, Thailand. I mean, the stereotype, the main one would be that we spend all of our time on the beach uh, taking Instagram photos of ourselves. I suppose there's the whole sort of like travel blogger sort of mentality that people see when they think of digital nomads. And yeah, that one's uh, a little bit sort of cringeworthy. 
I think a lot of people back home don't necessarily know what it is that we're doing. Um, you know, parents will be like, so you make money online. How do you, how does that work? How do you do that? I think a lot of people think that we're just traveling or that you are just bumming around <laughs> and not really working. Uh, what does the term digital nomad mean to you? Dude, I don't even know. That's Brittany Bond. She's 29 years old, and she's been a digital nomad for about four years. I feel like it means so much to everyone. For me, it just means someone who can work online and travel whenever, wherever they want to, whenever they want to. I asked Brittany for her thoughts on the term digital nomad. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people who do travel full time that aren't just here for six months and go home, we have a hard time with the term digital nomads because today it gets uh, related to a lot of people who are doing like scammy stuff. They're like, buy my online course and uh, my lifestyle depends on you buying my stuff. So it becomes synonymous with someone trying to get money out of you. And that's not anything related to me. So I have a hard time with the term sometimes. Uh, what do you think would be a better term? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's why we always stick with digital nomad, just because it's, uh, people are starting to understand what it is. When I first started traveling like this, I didn't know what it was, and no one had a term. So now people can find you. I think it's a misnomer. That's Tom Knoll. He's a researcher and a thought leader on digital nomadism. I think too many people get hung up on the idea of the nomad part of it. The digital no, The digital part of it is is self-defined. You're working online. You're working in a digital space. That's fine. But too many people think it means I'm going to hit 50 countries in the next 36 months. And it's just crazy. I would never travel that way. I never traveled that way before. Tom's 49 years old, and he's been living in Asia on and off for the past 20 years. And he's kind of a digital nomad himself, although he doesn't really consider himself nomadic. I personally like to get to know a few places. And right now, you know, if I go to Kopangan or up here or Bali or Kathmandu or Goa or Bombay, in all of those places, I could drop in after being gone for years and I could walk down a street and shop owners would come out and wave to me and remember me. And I like that. To me, that's the way to get to know a place. That's a way to get to travel. There's still other places I go to that I've not been to and I love it. But this idea of the nomadic existence just moving every month or something like that, to me, I could never do that. Okay, so clearly the term digital nomad seems to be vague and confusing. So I asked Tom if there was a more appropriate term. Well, the location-independent movement is something a lot of people have talked about, it, and, that, and that is really what it is. Being location-independent, I've been based in Chiang Mai for three or four years now. You know, and I take I, I spend a couple months in Bali every every year. I go down to Malaysia all the time. Um, I might pop over to India. I was in Australia earlier this year. I was back in the States last year. But I don't have to be anywhere. That's what location independence is about. But nomadic implies movement. I don't have to be moving all the time. I'm location independent. I'm not locked into being anywhere. Tom has opted to stay put and dig deeper into the places that he goes. But what I've seen in my limited experience as a digital nomad is that many digital nomads don't stay in one place longer than three months. And Tom doesn't think that this is sustainable long term. This is really the first generation of digital nomads. This means it's predominantly 20 and 30 somethings and they have a wanderlust. They like the idea of traveling. It's all a new world to them. And that's great. But 
you see cases starting to burn out. You see people starting to settle down, get married, and have kids. You see these factors starting to happen with them. And what I imagine will happen with most of them over the next 10, 15, and 20 years is they'll find the three or four places that they like most and develop community, develop their nomadic roots in those places and just begin a migratory pattern throughout the course of a year where they're circling back to the same places and the same communities. That's what I imagine will happen more and more as this first generation of digital nomads starts to age up a little bit. Something I realized pretty quickly after arriving in Chiang Mai, Thailand, which is a digital nomad hotspot, is that not all digital nomads are digital nomads for the same reasons. And their outlooks and mentalities can be astoundingly different. Again, in my research, I find again and again this split between two archetypes of digital nomads. On the one hand, and it's probably a bigger group in my estimation, at least here, there is what um, some people uh, derisively refer to as the digital bromads. <laughs> um, and, you know, their, their, uh, their motto would be crushing it. <laughs> okay. And, and it's all about making six figures, you know. Um, and as far as their, you know, socioeconomic awareness about the culture uh, around them, they could care less. And if you actually press them about their contributions to a local economy or culture, they would say, well, I spend money here every day. And they do, literally. They say that, exactly. That's the same thing that the British said in India 400 years ago, or any colonial oppressor said. (laughs) Okay, so they're completely oblivious to the fact that they are effectively retreading and reifying a colonial path and practice uh, in a 21st century digital manner. Um, So there's those. On the other side, what you find here, again, especially from people who come and they aren't really sure what they want to do, but not, not all of them, but they find themselves in a new culture, a new place, a place they've never been, and they're fascinated by it. They're not just going to the co-working space with their heads down, working every day, having beers with other foreigners every night, and that's their existence while they make their millions. <laughs> they you know, work to develop their online business, whatever it is. But then they realize that they actually are very blessed to be in this place. And they're seeing things that are opening their eyes to the way human beings are and live in other cultures, in a new place. And they start to want to become a little bit more conscious about their footprint, about their cultural and their socioeconomic footprint. Okay, so we've done a lot of talking about digital nomads. Now let's hear from some of them. First up, Brittany Bond. Why were you drawn, why are you drawn to this lifestyle? Ever since I was little, I've always wanted to travel. Like when you are, what are you going to do after high school? What are you going to do after college? Everyone always knew I was going to be the one that was out traveling somewhere. So for me, from since I was little, I've always been wondering how can I make it to this lifestyle. Even when I was at university, I wanted to build my career in a way where I could have the freedom to travel when I wanted to. So I've always wanted it. Four years ago, Brittany was a lawyer working in an office in the U.S., 
but she transitioned into traveling and working remotely after convincing her law firm to go entirely paperless and let her do the same job but from anywhere. She's since launched several companies and now produces a documentary series about remote work communities. It's taken time, but she's figured out a location-independent lifestyle that works for her. So it's kind of evolved. Uh, for the first while, I was traveling every month for the first couple of years. Uh, that gets really exhausting. And also, I think there's two things. One, it's really exhausting to just try and fit everything into one suitcase. I don't think it's glamorous. Two, I, it's really important for me to have a community. And I don't think... A lot of times, the reason why people cycle out is because they get lonely. They miss their friends. They miss their family. So if you don't have a community base, even abroad, then I don't think there's really a point, at least for me. So uh, I've come to terms with the fact that I like to do seasons. And this means about three to four months at every place. So Chiang Mai is my home base in Asia. I travel a lot for work. So tomorrow I'm going to Kuala Lumpur for work for a week. But this is my home base. And I'll probably be here for at least four months out of the year. And then, you know, my boyfriend is from Bali, so we go to Bali a lot for maybe three months, and then we go to Europe for three months. But there's there's a base everywhere where we just kind of stay a whole season there, connect with our community, and uh, get work done. Because if you're running around everywhere, it's really hard to be productive. So my name is Ermo Egberts. I am from the Netherlands, and I am 27 years old. And like Brittany, uh, Ermo is a digital nomad because he loves to travel. I've been traveling in the past, I think it's almost seven years. But what sets Ermo apart from most digital nomads is what he does professionally. So I'm a videographer. Um, videographer slash editor slash director. And what he'll do is move to a new place and then find filmmaking gigs there. It takes a little while to network within that community, but after completing the first few projects, he usually will start to get referred to other people that need some sort of promotional video made. I asked Ermo about how he got started doing this. So I've been traveling for a long time, but especially at the beginning when I started traveling, I well, I enjoyed it a lot. All the new experiences and the new location and the amazing people you meet along the way. But with traveling, there is not only these beautiful sights. There is also, of course, parts where you're like missing back home or maybe missing a kind of purpose. And now, after so many years, I discovered that it is possible to have a purpose while traveling. And that's, I think, my number one reason why I really uh, enjoy this. There is the fun part of exploring these beautiful uh, locations and people and, and, and having this free lifestyle. But on the other hand, there is um, the opportunity to, to earn and um, still fulfill my creative um, purpose. You brought up something that I think is really interesting. Do you think that you're actually more creative or do better work because you're traveling all the time? Yeah. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah. Uh, the reason why is because the freedom, creativity and freedom go, go hand in hand. So my name's Sharon and I'm 26 and I'm from California in the United States. Sharon is a user experience designer for a startup company based in San Francisco, but she travels full-time and works remotely. And I've been doing this, I think it's been seven months now. Sharon explains why and how she transitioned to becoming a digital nomad. So I think I had gotten in a rut in San Francisco that I was working in an office, I had my desk, I worked my 9 to 5, and every day I woke up and I went into the office 
and I did what I had to do. I came home and I cooked dinner. I went to the gym. I went to sleep. And I repeated that five days a week. And I sort of reached a point where I was miserable and I couldn't really put my finger on why. Like maybe my gym classes aren't cutting it. And um, I had a roommate in San Francisco and we're really supportive of each other. And so we would sit down at dinner and talk about what the best part of our day was. What's the highlight? And I kept finding that the best part of my day was what I ate for lunch. And that just didn't feel right, you know, that that was the highlight of my day every single day. Uh, And so I was looking for an alternative. And one of my first jobs as a designer was at a travel startup. And our target market was millennials who travel. And as we started researching that market, I became aware of this digital nomad thing. And it wasn't something that I had ever even realized people were doing before that. Uh, but when I started looking at it more, the people that were really successful in doing this um, were developers and designers, were like the two easiest jobs to take on the road. It's like, oh, that's convenient. I'm already doing one of these, and this looks amazing. And so sort of threw a dart at a board. was like, okay, May a year from now, I'm going to be a digital nomad too. And then I set myself up on a trajectory to do that. But she didn't do it completely alone. Uh, she signed up for a program called Remote Year. So Remote Year is a travel program that takes location-independent workers and brings them together. And every month you live in a different country. And they set you up with an apartment, with travel coordination in between the different countries, a co-working space with fast, secure internet, um, and then experiences in each country that are really unique. The original program is a full year long, but they also created a four-month version. There's a lot of companies like these popping up now, and they can be a good option for someone in Sharon's position. The reason I opted to do a program instead of just going on my own, because of course it would have been much cheaper if I had planned this on my own, uh, was that it was a much easier sell to my company. Uh, And they actually pre-prepared a slide deck for me. uh, So I could show it to my boss and say, hey, there's this great program. It's a wonderful networking opportunity for me. Um, They're going to provide me with housing. They're going to provide me with secure internet and co-working spaces. Um, And they're going to provide me with opportunities to grow my skill set. So everything's provided for me. I don't have to think about anything other than working. This isn't a vacation. This is me working for you remotely, and everything else will be taken care of so that I can focus on this. So, um, yeah, my name's Pete, and I'm from the UK. Uh, yeah, that's Pete again. Uh, he's our fourth digital nomad. And uh, I've been living abroad, actually, for three and a half years, um, and I've been a nomad for the last year. His first several years living abroad, he was teaching English in Vietnam. But recently, he's transitioned to teaching English online, which he can do from anywhere. That for me is not like an end goal. That's not where I want to make all my money in the future. And he's actually already started on a new way of making money online. This year I've been building uh, an Amazon FBA brand. Yeah, FBA, uh, which stands for Fulfillment by Amazon. We actually talked about this in episode one of Radically Different, about entrepreneurs in Vietnam. Basically the idea is to take products that already exist, package them together, brand them, and resell them on Amazon. It's a super popular way digital nomads are attempting to create passive income. And while it's not something that interests me personally, some people have made a lot of money doing it, and it can be a good way to buy your freedom. I'm a nomad because I really care about, you know, 
I really want to be independent and my own boss. If you are to try and build a business or try and learn a new skill whilst you're in a place like London um, or, you know, New York, wherever you are in the world, an expensive city in the West, um, you'll end up spending lots of your money and time, um, you know, just, 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 I mean, you'll be working from nine till five every single day just to break even or save a little bit of money. Um, whereas if you can find a way to earn some money online and move abroad, um, where, where the cost of living is, you know, 15% of what you pay back home or 10% of what you pay back home, um, then you can really spend all of that extra time that you have and all that extra money that you have um, on investing in yourself. And you suddenly realize you don't need a really expensive car. You don't need necessarily a mortgage. Um, it would obviously help um, to have that kind of investment for the future. But um, it's not, you know, by stepping away from that, you realize that you can invest in your own ideas. You can be your own boss. And Pete is speaking from experience. I was working in sales. It was very stressful. Um, it's very difficult to live in London, you know, because of like um, the cost of living is very high. You pretty much break even every month and you can't save any money. Um, and to me, that feels, you know, it feels like a, like a trap. Um, a lot of people might enjoy that, but to me it feels, um, yeah, it's just, I don't want to spend my life fulfilling someone else's dream. Uh, speaking of dreams, to me, undeniably, if you thought about what the American dream consisted of as far as opportunity in, say, 1954, all of those factors are gone in America. But in a place like Thailand? Coming up next, the much deeper significance of the digital nomad movement. Hey guys, uh, there's just one more episode left in the first season of Radically Different. And uh, so far, I've intentionally tried a lot of different formats and episode topics to figure out what resonates with you. I'm already starting to think about the next season of the show and what kind of content I want to create. And so if you have an opinion, please take a minute and share it with me. You can fill out the feedback form I've linked to in the description or send me a message on Instagram or Facebook at Radically Different Podcast. And then lastly, if you like the show and you want to support it, one of the best things you can do right now is subscribe if you haven't already or to share it with someone who maybe hasn't heard it before. All right, uh, let's get back to it. In the first half of this episode, we heard from digital nomads about the many reasons they've chosen this lifestyle. The ability to travel long-term, flexibility in where and when they work, and taking advantage of lower costs of living in other countries to regain more of your time and build the life that you want. Seems pretty awesome, huh? But what about the downsides? Working remotely for a company comes with a lack of stability. That's Sharon again, and she experienced this firsthand. Just a month into her remote year program, her company did a round of layoffs. There was some restructuring in my organization that I wasn't really aware of because I was remote, and so information wasn't getting to me. And um, my contract ended up falling through, actually, because um, I wasn't in the office, and so I wasn't a priority. Even though I was producing good work, it was easier to let me go than someone that was 
showing up every day and sitting in their seat. She was able to quickly find a new job as a remote designer, but team communication and job stability are definitely concerns with remote work. But what else? Being your own boss. That's Brittany Bond again. And I know that's a really broad term, but basically, like, literally, you have to wake up in the morning and you are the only person that is responsible for how productive you are that day. No one is yelling at you. No one is telling you you have to be anywhere. And for me, I've it's taken me a really long time to get in my routine of just, like, this is how I get everything done. Uh, but for a lot of people, they struggle with that. Staying self-disciplined and productive seems to be a challenge for a lot of digital nomads. Uh, Ermo touched on this as well. Mm. Of course, one is, uh, is it FOMO? Yeah. Fear of missing out. <laughs> um, I guess because there's so much stuff happening, like if you're in Chiang Mai or wherever, there is always a lot of backpackers and there's a lot of different venues organizing beautiful things. It can be pool parties. It can be maybe even an SEO conference where you can learn some. So... This can be a downside because you really want to focus on your work. But on the other hand, there is these people having fun. So the fear of missing out can be a, can be a big issue, I guess. Beyond the common challenges of remote work and missing out on pool parties, there's one particular challenge about this lifestyle that I've personally experienced. I think for a lot of people, it's missing their friends and family, uh, the the. Uh, you know, and dealing with what is, what is traditional mindset of this is what I should be doing with my life versus this is what I am doing with my life and just being okay with that. When you're back home, you have this consistent um, friendship circle, these same friends that you've known um, since you were a kid. And, uh, you know, that's good because they know where you're at. They know your ups and downs. They know your sort of where you've been in life. Um, and you can find that after traveling or, you know, living abroad for a significant amount of time, it's, it's quite difficult to get that continuity, um, that sense of like continued sort of like companionship with the same people. For me, this is an aspect of digital nomadism that I'm still skeptical of. It just seems so much more difficult to form deep friendships and strong community if you're moving around all the time. But when you probe these guys, they don't seem to think it's such a huge deal. In Chiang Mai, for example, um, I've known people here since I moved here in January and a few of them have left but with a place like Chiang Mai people often leave for three months you know for Christmas or for burning season and then they come back so there is a sense of like continued friendship here for sure and it's more like this is almost like a like a, like a base on the other side of the globe that you can come back to it's so easy to make friends while you're especially in the same boat as a digital nomad because at the end of the day we're all trying to uh, pursue this lifestyle and we want to succeed in it to keep on enjoying this beautiful life so we're all in the same boat and it makes it kind of easier also to meet one another i agree i think it is easy to make friends as a digital nomad but when i ask some of the most likable digital nomads i know that have been doing this lifestyle for a while who they would call if something really serious happened in their life, the people that they name are usually friends or family back home. Deep relationships typically take time and consistency, and I worry that those factors are often missing for those who have chosen this lifestyle. So, uh, what do you think? Is digital nomadism the future? I asked our professor, Tom Knoll, for an expert opinion. 
He ran me through the factors at play. One of them is technology. Obviously, you know, digital nomads is the term that we're talking about. And specifically, faster and more widely available internet. I I have read data that suggests that the internet, the way it is evolving, the speed of internet connectivity, that within the next 10 or 12 years, we will have internet that is capable on your smartphone of downloading every document, every video, every photograph, every song you have ever held in your property within about 30 seconds. When we get internet at that level of speed, everybody will be hyper-connected and people will be able to work location independently from wherever they are. And according to Tom, there's another important technological trend. The stuff that's going on with aviation globally, it is expected uh, that the aviation industry will produce another Concorde-type jet travel within the next 10 to 12 years. And what they are expecting is that if it's a 12-hour flight from... Uh, Frankfurt to Tokyo today, that that flight will be dipped down to about two and a half hours. And, and it will be affordable. So with hyperfast internet and transportation, it will be easier than ever for people to move around the globe and work from anywhere. But then Tom brought up something else, something I was totally not expecting. Yeah, and it's um, part of my history professor is going to come into play in this. Um, All right, there's going to be a lot of numbers, but stick with us here. From 1945 to 1978, the GDP in America grew at roughly 4%. The average wage per average worker in the United States during that same period also grew at roughly 4%. And that was a capitalist model that was probably the healthiest we've ever seen globally. It makes intuitive sense. That was an all-boats-rise economy. So until 1978, the GDP and average wages increased at the same rate each year. From 1978 to today, that GDP growth curve, the aggregate curve, has still stayed roughly at 4%, with obvious downturns in 2008, down to about 25 2.7%. Um, but it's still very close to that average curve, the average wage per workers. And when I say average wage per workers, I'm talking about 90% of the workforce in America. From 1978 to today, their average wages have dropped 16%. Right. So as the GDP has continued to increase each year, average wages have decreased. That is a capitalist model run amok. Tom argues that one reason for this is that since 1978, Corporations have gained greater political influence in America, and they've lobbied for policies that have ultimately hurt America's middle and lower classes. But there's other factors at play as well, and one of them is the way the business models of America's corporations have evolved. In the 60s and 70s, if you looked at a GE as this monolithic, you know, multinational corporate entity, they had over 350,000 workers globally. And their annual revenue was rough, a little over $3 billion a year. If you look at them compared to uh, an, an, uh, you know, the biggest digital companies today, I mean, if you look at Facebook or YouTube or Amazon, you know, like one of these things, their workforce is a fraction of that, and their revenue is double that. I actually looked into this. 
Google is an amazing example. It employs about 100,000 people worldwide. But their revenue is not double $3 billion. It's $100 billion. So this is the new model. The new model is less workers, more money. So do you see? Brick-and-mortar companies, companies like GE or McDonald's, they are being replaced by information technology companies. When you look at Amazon or Facebook or any of these, Uber is the largest transport company in the world. They own no cars. Airbnb is the largest lodging company in the world. They own no real estate. Okay? You start looking at this. Facebook is the largest content provider in the world. They create none of it themselves. Their users create it. This is the new model, and it's very different than what it was before. All of this means that there are going to be many less workers, and that means that the people who need to maintain their livelihoods need to find some way to do something, and that has given rise to digital nomadism. I was really surprised by this argument. All the digital nomads that I had met were digital nomads by choice, because they wanted to travel long-term or escape the so-called rat race of the corporate world, not because their jobs had been replaced by technology. So it, it, it is both. What, what you're saying is absolutely true. Uh, it, 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 it is, but what we're seeing, I think, in, again, this first generation of digital nomads is a digital nomadism by choice. What we're going to, I think, increasingly see is a digital nomadism by necessity. Tom continued to drive this point home. The job held by more Americans today, right now, than any other job in America is truck driver. Whether it's long-haul truck driving or local truck driving, driving a truck to transport something. All of those people will not have jobs in 10 years. They will not. That will all be automated. But once more and more people realize, well, okay, the plane ticket over to Thailand from Tennessee is... $750. And I've learned online that I can live for $1,000 a month in Chiang Mai and work online teaching English because I do have a degree and I can do the online credential for $150 in six weeks. And I can save $1,000 a month while working 20 hours a week in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And from what I hear, it's it's beautiful. It's, it's, It's a wonderful place to live, the quality of life. So wow, that sounds really attractive. (laughs) That's the situation. To me, undeniably, if you thought about what the American dream consisted of as far as opportunity in, say, 1954, when everything was going up, all of those factors are gone in America, unless you're really up at the upper crust. But in a place like Thailand... All of those factors are here. This is the place to pursue the American dream in 2018, a place like Chiang Mai, Thailand. Do you think that most people who are doing this, most digital nomads, are you know like following their dreams, right, and are or like are rising to their fullest potential? I think a lot of people are lost. I think the way a lot of people start this lifestyle, especially if you're showing up in a place like Chiang Mai or Bali, a lot of people are just burnt out on from whatever jobs or whatever life situation they had, and they're just like, I need something new. I think a lot of people like their work. They don't like the way that they're made to work. So like, 
It doesn't mean that you don't like whatever, you know, you go to university, you go to college for something that you care about. My little brother is going to university for social environmental science studies, like for climate change. Like he wants to help, but I'm positive that he's going to have a very hard time sitting in an office every single day in the way that they want him to work in order to do that job. So a lot of people get burnt out on that lifestyle. And then they're just kind of like out here, like, I don't like that, but then I don't want to be out here just kind of fluffing around. Like, where's the balance? And to get like philosophical about it, I don't freedom, lifestyle, all this stuff. I think we're all just figuring it out. I don't think it's something that's at least for me, I'm not going to give a set answer to it. Cause I think for everyone it's different. I know for me, like my happiness is when I can work on meaningful things that I care about from people that I feel like I can learn from and I have control over my time and my lifestyle. So that's freedom for me. But for someone else, freedom might be just having a million dollars in the bank and feeling like they can go hang out and do whatever they want. When I said a lot of people are lost, I think a lot of people are lost on what even makes them happy. So they come here and they're trying to figure out what makes me happy. And then they have people telling them, this is what freedom is, this is what happiness is. But that's different for everyone. I have friends who have come out here and I've had so much fun. I loved being with them. And they realized that freedom for them, happiness for them, is being back home but working in a more flexible lifestyle. So my ex-boyfriend and I that I first moved here with we traveled we were in 12 different countries in a year and a half and a big reason why we split up is he didn't want to travel anymore he moved back to london that's where he's from and he has his friends that he's known since he was two years old and they meet up every day and they hang out but he works at home now instead of working in an office and that's like his flexible lifestyle and that makes him really happy and for me i was like i don't want to stay in one city forever that's not doesn't make me happy so I've had to humble myself and kind of take back because I used to think what would make everyone happy is if they explored the world and they met new people. But that makes me happy. That doesn't mean it makes everyone happy. I think I'm going to have a really hard time going back to a desk job if I ever go back to a desk job just because I've seen what the alternative is. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm going to have a lifestyle change of like, and when you're growing up, you think so much about, like, what am I going to be? And adults are always asking, what do you want to be when you grow up? But I don't think the question you ever ask yourself is, how do I want to live when I grow up? And, yeah, we spend, we go to college for what we want to be, but we never really consider, like, the lifestyle that we want out of that. And so I had always thought as I was going to school, like, oh, I would love a job that, like, allowed me to travel or that would require me to travel But I didn't think, oh, maybe there's an alternative where I can work and travel and they don't necessarily have to be hand in hand. Uh, So that was sort of an aha moment of maybe I don't have this jail sentence of 40 years chained to my desk before I get to retire, but that I get to enjoy all seven days of the week all the time and still do work. It's awesome. So uh, are you convinced Maybe you're interested in becoming a digital nomad yourself? Well, in next week's episode, you'll hear from all these guys again. But this time, it'll be focused on giving you the knowledge and advice you need to start your own journey of world travel and location independence. If you know someone doing something radically different, or if you have feedback on this show, please get in touch. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Radically Different Podcast. Guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week.